0: Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting
1: with Impact podcast. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast.
0: Welcome, everybody. It's Elaine Taylor-Klaus with Impact ADHD, your online resource for parenting complex kids. And our conversation today is is taking a a little bit of a turn, and I'm really excited about it. I, I am welcoming two, quote, guests today, both friends, colleagues, and masters of their trade. One of them is our friend Maggie Ray, who does executive function tutoring, coaching, training with 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 young adults and students. And the other is my fabulous, marvelous business partner, Diane Dempster, Coach Extraordinaire and um, mom of, of Complex Kids. Hi guys, welcome for being here today. Hey, Lane. Hi, Elaine. Thanks so much for inviting us. I am so glad y'all are here. So today we're going to talk about growth mindset. I'm going to introduce each of them a little bit and then tell you why we're having this conversation. And then we're going to dive in. So keeping introductions short because you've met both of them before. Dr. Maggie Ray is ICF certified Academic life coach and ADHD coach. She is also a has a PhD in neurobiology and behavior, um, which is one of my favorite things about her. And because she's so smart, and she understands this stuff so well. And she is the founder of Creating Positive Futures Coaching. And she works with students developing executive function skills, mindset, time management, study skills, etc. And because she's here in Atlanta, we've had a chance to meet in person, and and so have a, known each other for years and love working together. And Diane Dempster, you all know well, is my partner in crime and making a difference in the world, working with parents of complex kids. She is an IPEC coach and ICF certified PCC a masterful trainer and coach and supporter of Parents of Complex Kids, and the three of us were talking about growth mindset recently and realized it's a really fascinating hot topic these days, and we really wanted to bring it to you for a conversation, and we thought it'd be really fun to do it in this sort of a triad where where I get to interview Maggie and Diane, who are both seeing this come up in their work a lot. So Maggie, let's start with you. We're talking about growth versus fixed mindset. Um, Set the stage for us. Absolutely. So
2: A lot of parents might have seen or heard about this concept either at school or they might have read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck, which is where all of this came from. Originally, it was her research on mindset in students. So if you haven't heard about it, I'll give you a super quick intro. intro. So the idea of fixed versus growth mindset is basically the idea of how does your student think about their intelligence and their abilities. So fixed would be the mindset of intelligence is kind of like height. You are the height you are. There's not really much you can, once you're fully grown anyway, there's not really much you can do about it. It's just going to be what it's going to be. So if you think of your intelligence like that, that's going to be a kid who says something like, oh, I'm just not a math person, or I've never been a good writer, or "Or organization isn't my thing. They just kind of have this idea that their abilities are fixed. There's nothing they can do about it. And so it is what it is. And that's going to carry with it. That's the fixed mindset. And that's going to carry with it a lot of changes in their attitude, right? They're not going to really want to challenge themselves. They're not really going to want to work very hard at that thing because it's not their thing. So why would they, why would I put a whole bunch of effort into it? Growth mindset is the idea of my skills are not necessarily innate. They're things that are developed through effort. So through working hard at things, I grow my ability the way I would grow a muscle in the gym. So the more effort I put in, the more work I put in, the better I get at this thing. Those kids tend to embrace challenges. They tend to persist longer when they're presented with obstacles. They tend to put forth more effort, and they, they ultimately go on to get better at things. So growth mindset, I kind of think of fixed mindset as the old view of the brain. the brain, the view of the brain as something that is fixed. It's, you know, once you get to a certain age, your abilities are what they are. There's not much you can do to change them. Growth mindset is much more based in the actual reality of what we know about the brain now, which is neuroplasticity, your brain changes, your brain is constantly growing and and learning and developing all the way into adulthood and beyond. So it's much more rooted in the actual science of how learning works and how the brain works. So the growth mindset is much more accurate in terms of what we know about how the brain works. But awesome. there's a lot of forces that shift us towards fixed, shift so, kids towards a
0: mindset. So, and so Maggie, you're talking about kids, but this is relevant to both kids and adults, right? Diane, what would you add?
3: Yeah, no, I think that the thing that's interesting is kind of how that shows up. And I know as an adult who I absolutely grew up with a fixed mindset, one of the symptoms, quote unquote, would be that you avoid things that you're not great at, right? Yeah. So it's this sort of, well, I'm not good at it. I'm not going to try even try it because- It's not worth it. You know, it's like I like to master what I do. And so I, I, the things that I'm good at are the things that I focus on. And then I just kind of like you said, I'm not a math person, or I don't, I don't do art, you know, whatever it is, right? I used
0: to say I don't do anything I don't do well, right? When I was growing up with that mindset, right? Okay, so this shows up for both kids and adults.
3: Yeah, and it shows up, and I think that part of it, I don't know, Maggie, if you want to talk about the difference between nature versus nurture here, but the reality is that if you had a parent who had a really fixed mindset when you were growing up, your likelihood of kind of embracing this sort of willingness to make mistakes and get in there and and get dirty and try new things is going to be completely different. Um, than somebody who's a more of a creative sort of try anything kind of parent.
2: Right. It's going to be based on your experiences, a lot of it. And then it does get transmitted to your kids. And what's been interesting is the more recent research that's come out on where students get their growth versus their fixed mindsets. Because we, what we thought originally was that it was based off of their parents' growth or their fixed mindset. So a parent with a fixed mindset is going to have a kid with a fixed mindset is kind of the idea. But what's, what's actually come out in the research is that it's not as much about the parent's mindset. It's actually more at least not about the parents growth mindset it's more their mindset about failure so they could they could say they have a growth mindset and they could think of themselves in terms of a growth mindset but if they respond really negatively to failure to their kids failures to their kids mistakes Mm -hmm. that's going to actually shift their kid into more of a fixed mindset Mm -hmm. because what the kid can't see they can't necessarily see into their parents head they can't mind read and know that you have a growth mindset all they're looking at is they're looking at the behavior and so if a parent responds really negatively to failures and to mistakes what does that kid conclude mistakes are bad well why are mistakes so bad um, it must be that it's, you know, it's saying that I'm bad at this or that this is a permanent state of being because otherwise, why would my, my parent be getting so upset? Right. So, yeah, and not only that, but it's, it's
3: what it sounds like you're saying, Maggie, is that, that kids will do anything to avoid mistakes, right? So if they're taught that mistakes mm-hmm. are bad, you want to avoid mistakes, which makes you less apt to try something that you, the probability is higher that you're going to make a mistake.
0: Which puts you back into this sort of fixed mindset, right? So it's almost wow. like this, you know, vicious cycle.
2: Right.
3: Which
0: and is, all which of is that really is about us. being okay with making mistakes.
2: Yeah, right that's really unfortunate for learning because really, whenever you're learning something new, you've got to make a ton of mistakes in the process, right? Look at the way you learn math, you do it wrong a lot of the times. And and one trend I've seen in my students who are stuck in a subject or are struggling in a subject is that they're afraid to make mistakes. They don't want to go talk to the teacher. They don't want to tell them why they're doing badly. Uh, they don't want to admit that they don't know something. They don't want to practice things because they might mess it up. At least not, they don't want to practice without looking at the answers. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they never really learn it because they're so afraid of messing it up.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, that's amazing.
2: But so, the, the good go. news, yeah, I was going to say, so what's the good news? <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. develop it. You can develop it. You absolutely can develop it. I think that is the good news is that if you know that as a parent, that the way that you respond to failure is going to shape your kid's mindset and that your kid's mindset is going to affect their learning, then you can be a lot more conscious about how you respond in those moments when they've failed or in those moments where they've made a mistake. And so there's, and there's also a lot of information out there about praise and how praise can shift kids into different mindsets. But there's a little bit of a fine tuning to that. So a lot of what you'll see out there about the growth mindset is praise them for effort. And that works, but it only works in certain contexts. So just to kind of clarify, yes, you want to praise for effort if their effort paid off. So Mm -hmm. say that they got an A, you need to look at the context of that A. So if they got an A and they worked hard for that A, then you can praise their effort. And in particular, if you can praise their effort plus their strategy. So, you know, I saw you right. work really hard to practice all of those problems before the test and it looks like you really paid off. That's awesome. Great. Okay, well, but what if they got an A and they didn't work hard? You don't want to praise them for their hard work because they didn't actually work for that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you kind of want to more focus on, you know, what did you learn from this class? Or what did you think was most interesting about this? Or what else are you learning in this other subject and not make such a big deal over this A that required no effort?
0: Um, And and the other thing that comes up is when you talk about kids with complex issues and executive function challenges, effort has this whole other thing going on because they may be working really, really, really hard, but it may not manifest in the way that you expect it to. It may just be hard for them to just sit in their chair,
2: (laughs) right? Right, right. That's actually a great point is that what if they put in lots of effort and it didn't pay off? Mm-hmm. Cuz then praising for effort can actually backfire cuz it can kind of feel like oh well you're saying good job but this is now coming across as kind of patronizing or you know yeah I worked hard but I didn't do well. So to kind of I think what sometimes can happen where that can backfire and especially starts to backfire in adolescents um, but is is to make sure that you're not skipping the step of emphasizing with their frustration first. So mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of parents will kind of skip over and say, you know, oh, well, good job. You worked hard, or, especially if they're trying to do more effort based praise you can kind of skip over that part of meeting them where they are, which you all talk a lot about a lot and meeting them where they are in terms of I'm frustrated, I'm mad, I didn't do well. And can I sit with them in their frustration for a minute and hear their their upset feelings and empathize with that and then kind of shift once some of that emotional reactivity is worn off? to getting into what else could we try or how else could we adjust our strategy here? Um, what could you do differently? How could you learn from this? You haven't got
0: it yet, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get it later. Right. So the problem solving comes. So Diane, this is yeah, a so big issue for you. Where are you going with
3: yeah, that? Yeah, no. So listening to you talk about this, Maggie, and I think that it's really important. That there's some expectation setting and some shifts with kids. And I know that I was like overachievered, straight A student in school, right? And that was important to me. And I measured everything based on my grade. And that was really what I focused in on. And I, I never really paid attention to how much effort because a lot of things did come to me naturally. And I really look at how I interact with my kids. And the important part of what you just shared is before anything, you've got to tell them what, what you think success looks like. So success looks like trying hard and learning new things and enjoying what you're doing and all of those things that are important factors that contribute to the high grades, but it's not about success is the high grade. And I think that you almost have to kind of backwards, what do they call it, uh, where you, you go back and re-engineer it, right? So it's that mm-hmm. sort of setting the expectations with the kids up front. And there really is a mindset shift for a parent because the challenge is that in this world, our kids are are graded based on their grades. And so it's really kind of a yes and where you want to help them see that grades are, grades are important, but they're not really what measures quote unquote success. And that's where the the shift can happen.
0: Well, and also bringing the kids into the conversation. So they begin to be part of that conversation of what does success look like for them, right? Mm -hmm. Setting expectations for themselves instead of only absorbing that outside world's expectations.
3: Yeah. And there's so just kind of the real, the real life story around this is that I've got a, a, a dear friend that actually read that book I don't know, five years ago and her son was just starting middle school and made it her life's purpose to really shift his mindset because she saw that he wasn't trying things. He he like one of those kids that would come off the baseball field and just kind of kick in his shoes because they lost the game and and really, really worked every day at talking about what did you learn and what did you enjoy and really kind of making the focus of the conversations about the process rather than the outcome. And this kid now is a freshman in high school who would try any sport wouldn't you know it's like hey do you want to play beach volleyball he'd be like sure I don't care it's like I've never touched a volleyball in my life and I've never been to the beach but he's willing to try it just because it would be fun to try something new and that really is so encouraging because so many kids like they get in their little box and it's like this is my box this is what I do well this is all I want to focus in on and it really kind of limits their creativity it limits their measure of success and and a lot of them end up with self-esteem issues and it's just it's a really important issue
0: mhm what what's jumping out at me from both of what you're saying is is there are a lot of things that are that we do with our kids and activities our kids do that could lend itself to a growth mindset if we think about it and talk about it that way. Playing sports is a great example. I mean, baseball, it's all the statistics are all about, you know, the numbers are all about sort of what you do in the context of how much you don't do. And you, nobody would expect about a 1,000, right? We don't, that's just, that's not what, that's not the gold standard. And so if we can sort of use what they do experience in their regular life and talk about it differently, that can really shift. And, and I guess, Maggie, that's a great segue into, I want to take a break and talk about how do people find out more about you and then talk about how we can help kids and adults shift more into this mindset. The sure, sure mindset. absolutely. So how can people find more from you? They can just go to my website. So it's
2: creatingpositivefutures.com. And if they want to learn more about this growth mindset in particular, I actually have an article on my site all about it, which is about the fixed versus growth mindset. How do you identify what your teen has? And what do you do about it? So if you even just Google creating positive futures growth mindset, you'll find the article, and it's, that would be a great place to get some more information about what we've been talking about
0: today. Great. And Diane, how can people find out more about you?
3: <laughs> you can always find me at impactadhd.com, and um, would love to have you come,
0: come and follow us there and, and learn more about what we do. And there are a lot of articles on the site that address this issue as well, both by Diane and, and many other experts, so including Maggie. So we have just a few minutes left. We've sort of set the stage for what is growth mindset versus fixed mindset? How does it develop? What's the context of it? So, how do we foster it? How do we shift more into this realm? There are a lot of ways you
2: can do it. So the one we kind of touched on a little bit is the way that you praise your kids and what you praise them for. And really emphasizing the value of effort, the value of learning, the value of improvement and growth versus just achievement for achievement's sake. So rather than praising the A, praising the process of getting to the A, or praising them for their persistence or for their willingness to try something new. There was I always forget where I've read this, but there was a story of a family that always talked at the table about what did you fail out today. That was kind of their dinner table question, and if you, if that, that sounds too extreme for you, you could try. What did you learn today, or how how did you get outside your comfort zone today? But something that's really you're you're wanting to hear their experiences at trying new stuff. And I think Diane, you mentioned it towards the beginning about your mindset as a parent and how that impacts the way that you parent. So look, maybe looking at what are you doing in your own day to day life? Are you learning new things? Are you trying new stuff? Are you sharing mm-hmm. with your kids? Uh, times when you failed at something today are <laughs> right. hey, you right. right. modeling failure failing forward yeah
3: yeah well even just talking about it i think makes a big difference i'm such a huge proponent of transparency right and so if you want your kids to demonstrate a particular behavior do it loud and proud in front of them make the mistakes admit you know admit your challenges fail forward is the, one of the things we teach all the time but i really think this idea of failure and relationship with failure is such a key piece of it because so many of us grew up like in failure avoidance. It was a scary thing. And you said it earlier, which is, you know, you've got to fail to be successful. That's, there's, there's no question. And Elaine, you were talking about this with the baseball thing. I I think even, you know, you talked about the, you know, three, a 300 batting average is great. I bet. Right, Right. You know, but the thing is that how many times do you see a kid who goes, Oh man, I got striked out. Right. And because they, they look at it one step at a time. And how many of us forget to kind of go back and say, well, big picture, how many times do you think Babe Ruth actually struck out? Or how many times do you think whoever actually didn't get the field goal or whatever it is or didn't get a straight A? How many times did Albert Einstein fail math class? I mean, those sorts of things are important for context because it's so in the moment and with the individual measures.
0: Well, and I think it's, it's such a critical life skill. I think about my daughter was a softball player, and our motto was always, don't let striking out keep you from playing the game, right? That was a big thing for us. And now as an actor, she goes on auditions. So her job is to get rejection after rejection after je- rejection in order to get the job, right? Mm-hmm. And so that, that actually that time on the field sort of prepared her for that in a, in a really powerful way.
2: Yeah, and a couple, a couple of cool tricks for that. I mean, one is and Carol Dweck actually talks about this in her video, but this whole trick of yet, right, I haven't got it yet. Yes. I haven't got the part yet. But I just went to another edition. So I'm one step closer. And mm-hmm. maybe even tracking your progress. That's one thing I love to do with my students, especially is for us to tra- actually track their grades over time, because it's so easy to say, Oh, I got a bad grade on this one thing. Yes, but look how much higher your grade is right now than it was three weeks ago. You're improving. So it makes it more about the process and about the improvement rather than about was this particular outcome, was this hit good or bad? Did I strike out or did I did I hit this one ball? It's more like tracking your batting average over time. And then even in just the day-to-day stuff that you're doing, I really think you can you can focus on challenge and learning and curiosity, Um, even just in the way, for example, you're quizzing them for a test. I'll, I'll do this all the time with students where we'll, for example, practice preparing studying for something and one thing I've noticed is they'll say oh it's so much more fun to study with you than it is to study with my mom because my mom gets upset when I miss one (laughs) so don't get upset when they miss one actually use that like oh cool great you missed one that's awesome because that's why we're studying is to find the stuff that we're missing so let's see if we can come up with a way to remember this one so it kind of just making sure you're watching even in the little failures like quizzing them on vocab cards how are you responding when they miss a card are you are you getting upset are you getting frustrated because that's right there in a microcosm, that's your response to failure. So just maybe looking at little things throughout the day, how are you responding to failure? And how could you be more curious and more open minded and more awesome,
0: we found a skill we can learn. That's great. Oh, I love it. I used to say to my kids, we call it they call it learning not knowing for a reason. (laughs) Right? You're supposed to be in this process of learning. So Diane, we do need to start wrapping it up. What would you add in terms of how do you shift or whatever you want to add?
3: The thing that I would add always is kind of pay attention to yourself. You know, it's like, there's a lot of great ideas that Maggie shared here. And I think that that what it comes down to is really kind of doing some self examining as a parent and say, how have I been feeling about failure? You know, myself, am I willing to kind of shift this? What's going to get in my way of shifting this? How do I, you know, how do I feel about letting go of this whole grades thing or what, whatever, or kind of shifting the focus? And I think, if you don't really kind of get a handle on the way you're looking at it right now, it's going to be hard for you to just start doing it differently with your kid. There's going to, at some point you're going to be like, yeah, but Um, we all hit those sort of, yeah, but So start with yourself and really look at kind of your own, perspective, your own mindset, and your willingness to make some shifts.
0: Well, and what comes up for me as you say that, and, you know, this is another conversation for another time, is about asking for help, mm-hmm. and that if you as an adult are not willing to ask for help, it's hard to expect the kids in your life to be willing to ask for it or accept the help that you really want to give them, because there's this message that I should be able to do it on my own, which is what we struggle with with these kids, right, which reinforces that fixed mindset. So so Maggie, I want to wrap it up. I want to give you a chance to sort of button it up. What's the takeaway, actually for each of you, what's the takeaway you want parents to leave with? And I hear Diane saying for you, it's really pay attention to yourself. Maggie, what do you want to leave them with? I think I
2: would just think big picture about not, I think where we get stuck in the fixed mindset is focusing too much on the outcome in the moment and not enough Mm. about the big picture. So it's not about what you want your kids to do. It's about who you want them to be. And I think if you focus on who you want them to be and the kind of person you want them to become, this all gets a lot easier.
0: Yeah, that's great. All right, gang. Thank you. Our guests today have been the fabulous Diane Dempster of ImpactADHD.com and the fabulous Dr. Maggie Ray of CreatingPositiveFutures.com. And we've been talking about growth mindset, about what it is, how to address it, how to develop it. And I want to thank you both for having a really lovely, rich, robust conversation. Thanks for being with us.
3: Thanks, Elaine. Thank
0: you. And as always, you can find out more resources, more information on impactadhd.com. I want to thank you for being here, for tuning in, for listening, and for for all that you're doing for the kids in your world. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care, everyone.
1: You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as
0: a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash Sanity School.